0: Hear the word of God from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, as I sat on the edge of the boat, I could see the waves cresting around us. It was just turbulent enough that you couldn't see beneath the surface of the water. Then, as I sat there, my instructor tapped me on the shoulder. It was my turn. I was a little little nervous. See, I'd taken lessons, I'd prepared myself, but this was going to be my first open water dive. Weeks, months, really, were spent getting ready, learning, taking classes, classes on safety precautions and possible dangers, what to expect underwater, and what might go wrong. Now, as I sat on the edge of the boat getting ready for my first open water dive, it was everything that I wanted. But just before I dove in, All of those safety precautions and dangers and emergency situations started flooding into my brain again, and I started to doubt. And then the story that my uncle told me of his dive buddy who was 20 feet down and had his air hose bit by a moray eel came back into my head, and I was scared. I started to doubt, and I started to wonder if this was a good idea. And then my high school English teacher popped into my head, because she drilled poetry into each and every one of us, and I can still quote to you too many poems to count. But one poem popped in, it was Emily Dickinson, and the poem goes something like this, "'Faith is a fine invention when gentlemen can see, but microscopes are prudent in an emergency.' Trust me, there was an emergency going on right there as I was expected to jump into water and I couldn't see below it. Well, friends, let's pray this morning. Oh God, we come before you today with doubts in our hearts, wondering about this great mystery of kingdom work that you have called us into. God, we pray that you would still the doubts, the fears, and the anxieties in our hearts that we might hear your call, your call to be sent, that we might have the courage to go where we are called. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, the story that Lindsay just read this morning is the first account really the only account in Matthew of the disciples meeting with the risen Christ. Just before this, we read the story of the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, going to the tomb that first Easter morning. And they're going to prepare the body for burial. As they're going there, some miraculous and unbelievable things happen. And as they get to the tomb, they are met face to face with the risen Christ, Jesus alive. And while they're standing before Jesus, he gives them a command, a charge. Jesus says to the two Marys, go and get the other disciples, go and get my brothers, and send them on to a mountain in Galilee. Tell them I'll meet them there. So the Marys rush back as quick as they can, find the 11 remaining disciples and tell them of this great story. And I can imagine that there was probably a little bit of doubt going on. After all, they rush back and they tell of this earthquake and then an angel descending and rolling the stone away, telling them that Jesus had risen and then seeing this risen Jesus. One or two of them may have thought in the back of their minds, surely they're hallucinating. Their grief has got the better of them. Maybe there was a grave robber in the middle of the night that stole his body away. But surely this couldn't really be the case, that, that Jesus is alive. We saw him crucified. We saw him dead. But, even in their doubt, there was just enough faith for them to go and check out what was going on. So here they go off to this mountain in Galilee, and as they approach the mountain, they come face to face with their teacher. There and then we read that their first reaction is to worship. They worship Jesus. But immediately after that, we are told, but some of them doubted. The Greek word for doubt here occurs only one other place in the New Testament. That's in Matthew 14, the story of Peter in the midst of a storm, seeing Jesus walking across, stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. But as he's out, he begins to doubt. Jesus pulls him up and brings him back into the boat. We're told there that once they're in the boat, they worship. And here in Matthew 28 and Matthew 14, we have two stories of worship and doubt being tied together. Worship and doubt really seem to be tied together in this post-resurrection community. We've read several stories over the last few weeks that seem to suggest some level of doubt. And Jesus seems to be okay with the disciples doubting. He knew that they doubted, and yet he still entrusted this so-called Great Commission to these 11 disciples. Now, the disciples did have good reason to doubt. Here they meet with the risen Christ, somebody they saw die. And here their teacher is calling them to something new and something different Jesus' command to them was to go and to make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching. Now, this wasn't the first time that the disciples had been sent out in the Gospel of Matthew. If you flip back to Matthew 10, you read the story of the 12 disciples being sent out. Given the authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the good news. But they were only sent to Israel. The disciples had the experience of being sent. But what they were called to hear was an even greater level. Because they were called to do the very same things that Jesus had done. Taking it so far as even teaching. Not only that, they were called to go farther than Jesus had ever gone. The charge was not just to Israel anymore, but to all nations. Make disciples of all nations is Jesus' charge. They weren't just commanded to do this or asked to do this, they were appointed for this task. In verse 16, the disciples go to this Galilean mountain as they were directed by Jesus. The Greek word there is tasso, which can also be translated as appointed. The disciples went to this Galilean mountain. Where Jesus appointed them. The disciples have been tasked with this great and wonderful job of making the kingdom a reality. They were called to fulfill the role that their teacher had taught them. Now doubt is natural when facing the unknown, the unforeseen, the unexpected. And this certainly would have been all of those things for the disciples. And there are times in our own lives when we face doubt and uncertainty, anxiety and fear. So close your eyes and think for just a moment. Think of a time when you faced doubt, when you were unsure which direction to go. What was happening? What caused that doubt? What fears were going on in your mind at that time? Hold on to that because it can help us connect with those disciples as they worshipped and doubted at the same time. Now, the truth is, you can open your eyes, that we're a mixture of conviction and doubt. We wonder, do our doubts and uncertainties and indifference disqualify us from being used effectively by God? Or do we just use these doubts as excuses to hide behind The wonderful news is that Christ is aware of these contradictions, our worship and our doubt, our devotion and our indifference, our conviction and our uncertainty. Jesus was aware of the doubt in the disciples, yet he doesn't chide the disciples. He does not chastise them. Instead, he gives them this great, magnificent charge. Even with the doubts that we carry, Still Jesus calls us. Still he entrusts us, broken vessels though we may be, with the great task of making disciples. Now, I'd have to believe that the disciples were not unprepared for this task, though they may have thought so. They'd just spent the last year following Jesus around, learning from him at his feet. He'd teach in parables to crowds but unpacked the parables to the disciples they had seen more healings than anyone else that had followed him they had more insider knowledge about this man than anyone else would have they were taught they were prepared and I think in a similar way, all of us spend our lives learning. One of the things that I absolutely love about being here at Hyde Park United Methodist is this great focus on discipleship. We teach the disciples' path, the pathway to drawing closer to God, this life of learning. We gain wisdom from our experience. We gain wisdom from seeking Greater and deeper levels of discipleship, seeking to grow daily. Now, today we are recognizing our graduates, those in our congregation who have worked hard to finish their current level of education. It's not easy to do, especially in high school with as many standardized tests as are out there. It takes time, it takes hard work, it takes a dedication to learning. That's what Jesus called his disciples to. When he called them out of their lives as tax collectors and fishermen, he called them to a level of learning and discipleship. He calls us to that same level even today, to learn and to grow. As the disciples have spent this last year, this text is the occasion that completes a process of education completes this process that began with the summons of the fishermen, the first lecture on the Galilean mountain. Here is a charge for the students to become the teachers, to put into practice all the things that they had learned. It's almost as if this text is a graduation speech. The disciples have learned, and they're ready and Jesus is giving them their commencement speech. Now, I honestly can't remember much of my graduation from Duke. The keynote speaker was rather long-winded, so I got pieces here and there, but I may have dozed in and out. It was hot. I remember walking across the stage and getting a diploma that sits in my office collecting dust right now. But it The commencement speech at the graduation was not the speech I remember. The speech I remember was a little shorter, a lot more succinct. So I was sitting in the office of my academic advisor, and he had said to me, Danny, you are about to graduate. And he asked me the question. He said, what are you going to do with this education that you have been given? What are you going to do with it? It's a speech I can't forget. Really, one statement and one question. It sent me into a time of reflection and brought about just a little bit of fear. Could I effectively use what I had learned? Or would the education and the money, that was so much money, just be lost? There was doubt that crept back in. Just like the doubt back on that boat. See, there I was, scared to death of what lay below the surface, unsure of my abilities. I sat for what felt like ages, staring at the waves, and sure that my instructor would push me in at any second. One last time, I checked all my gear, made sure the fins were tight, the BCD was working and the regulator was functioning. Finally, I had nothing left to check. The only thing left to do was sink or swim. And so I jumped in. And there was a few moments of panicked breathing as I first hit the water, unsure of what was up and what was down and where I was and whether or not that great white was really behind me, like in the Pixar movies. But I got my bearings, looked around, and I was welcomed into one of the most beautiful sights that I'd ever seen up until that point. New colors, new life surrounding me. It's a whole new, beautiful world to explore. And then I remembered something that I had forgotten in my panic and in my doubt. I forgot that I was not going into this water alone, but that my dive instructor was following right there behind me. I think about that, and I remember this story. The story of Jesus calling and sending the disciples to go out and to make new disciples. There would have been doubt, uncertainty, anxiety. But at the very end, Jesus says, Hey guys, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. I'll be with you as you jump into making this new, beautiful kingdom a reality here on earth. So the last few weeks, we have been talking about stories that shape us. We've been looking at the different resurrection stories from Easter, stories of when Jesus encountered those who followed him. We've heard from Mark, Luke, and John, the wonderful stories of fear, hope community, and sadness. And we have shared stories of how the resurrection has shaped us. Over the weeks, this image has evolved, made up of the words that you have shared on the various cards that you have filled out each week. These words drawing into sharper and sharper image, that it is the story of Jesus that ultimately shapes us. It's a story that shapes all of our lives. God's grace works in our life before we ever realize it. But there are individuals who haven't seen God's handiwork in their own lives, who don't know of this prevenient grace. They are they are our coworkers, our friends our family members. They are the ones that Jesus is calling us to share the good news with, to love unconditionally. And so the last question in this series, the question for you today is, who in your life needs to hear a good news story who may be facing doubt or insecurity? And how might you share it? So on your way in, hopefully you received a yellow card, and what I want to invite you to do if you did not receive that card is it will be passed among you uh, in just a few moments. When it's passed among you, I want you to pray over who it is that needs to hear a good news story in your life. Write that name down then write down how might you share the good news with them. How might you make God's love real in your life? And once you've filled that out, what I want you to do is, as you come up to receive communion a little later on, is to place it here at the communion table. Symbolic gesture of those that we are desiring to draw into this circle. Into communion with all of us. Who in your life needs to hear a good news story? My prayer for all of us is that we would trust in God's abiding presence and put away our doubts and jump in. Let's pray.